Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Brandon Karam is not with me tonight, but we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. And I guess I should ask, how are you guys doing? How are you enjoying the show? Uh, please feel free, of course, to give reviews on both Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening, as well as any comments, criticism, feedback, write to our social medias at MLB Daily Pod. Uh, Brandon was working late tonight. I was working late tonight. Things just, you know, life life doesn't work out. But you know what life does do? Life finds a way. And that's what's going on here. You've got me. We're here to vibe. This is kind of, you know, I'm, I'm in a... Uh, I'm in a screw around and find out type of mood. So we're just going to sit here and we'll vibe together for for a little while. I'm not sure how long I'll end up going here, but all I know is I'm very excited to get going with you all. And as for where we're going to start, I'd like to start with the news that came in this evening through Jeff Passan. That is the fact that Major League Baseball is set to settle their class action lawsuit between them and the minor leagues for a whopping $185 million. This suit was first filed in 2014, and among other aspects of minor league pay, the litigation was concerned with the process of unpaid spring training 
MLB became under public fire for arguing for players to remain unpaid for spring training as recently as February. Um, clearly, you know, that did not work out so well in their favor. Certainly the court of public opinion, they lost immediately as they, I don't think they've won the court of public opinion in a very long time on the whole minor league pay minor league setup conversation. Like it's just overall the state of baseball, the state of professional baseball in America is just not in a good state because of the amount of corners that the MLB has cut the amount of corners they've been allowed to cut because of things like their antitrust exemption and all of these luxuries that they get and they frankly take for granted that not even other better performing organizations like the NFL, the, I mean, the NFL has now had, I believe it's like four, yeah, four different leagues start up, not necessarily trying to compete with them because no one's going to compete with them in their season, but four other leagues trying to vie to be major football entertainment in the last three, four years, like they're far more successful without any of the luxuries, without any of the lack of competition that the MLB has to deal with. And so it's just, you know, talk about, it's not just, it's not just that they've abused their rights, but they've even undervalued and underappreciated their rights at this point. And, you know, the system does need major shakeups with that being said, um, you know, this is certainly a win for the players, all the players involved. I mean, $185 million in back pay, um, $120 million of that figure will be distributed among the class of players involved. So, you know, you know, a lot of that has to go towards the different fees involved in everything that's happened so far going into this when everything um, got into motion. That's still a huge number, and that's still a huge number for the 20,000 players that are going to be sharing it. I mean, these guys, with how little that they've been paid and were ever getting paid, continue to get paid depending on where you track among those 20,000. This is going to be the biggest bonus you've had. This probably is going to be significantly larger in terms of the payout than you'd get in a lot of years for them. So this is certainly great, but long-term, does this really settle anything? No, it doesn't. It doesn't push on many of the major issues that plague the game. It doesn't push on any of the major labor issues. This solves a, this solves about 45 days worth of the MLB screwing over their minor leaguers and their minor league teams, minor league cities, you know, there's, there's still a ton of work to go on this front and hopefully too many people don't spend too much time celebrating this without pushing to see where things go from there. But that being said, there are continuing negotiations between the MLB and the MLB players association today on the international draft. This of course was something that it was talked about a little bit when the collective bargaining agreement was made, you know, everyone was kind of brushing it off because nothing concrete had happened, but the MLB's desire to put together a draft for the international talent coming in, all of these guys from the DR, from Puerto Rico, from all of these other places, 
going into a draft rather than just being signed to the highest bidder, basically from at whatever age, you know, really, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is really codifying the system more and making, trying to make a more even decision of talent. The problem, of course, with this that everyone saw right from the beginning is by doing a draft, by putting in slot values at everything that the MLB wants to do and will do with this, because that's just the way baseball drafting works. You know, you're going to be talking about a situation where the max money that these players can get is going to be significantly diminished. Yes, a lot of these guys are still going to be getting big time dollars, life changing money for them, but it's going to be a fraction of the life-changing money that the guy a generation prior would have been getting. And for so many of these guys who, you know, baseball is their way out. Baseball is the solution, the answer for their family. That's a huge blow to these economies. It's a huge blow to these families. And, you know, really there's got to be a lot of protections going into this. So to basically give a very brief rundown of what's going on, Um, It looks like things have been agreed. It's been agreed upon now. Japan will be completely out of it, which, frankly, you know, it would have been interesting to see what they would have done if the Japanese players got put into the international draft. Of course, the uh, posting fees would have to be added on on top of any guy who drafted, of course, because you have to pay, pay the teams in Japan to be able to go out and get these guys. And then their salary and bonuses and all of that. But realistically, that's basically the first round of your international draft right there. You know, if you have three guys coming over from Japan, they're probably going to be all in the first 20 picks. I, I feel pretty firm on that because no one's trying to make the jump to the major leagues from the Nippon League if they're just mediocre. Like, if you th- if you unless you think you can be a star on this level, no one's making the jump over to the MLB because the guy who can't necessarily be a superstar on this level on this level is going to be able to make a good chunk of money in Japan on that effectively triple A level, you know. I mean, I think that's a pretty good yeah, that's a that's the usual estimation of the talent in the Nippon League, which, I mean, it's the next best thing from the majors, but it's still not the majors. You can make a boatload of money and be a star over there, or you can come ride the bench or go to triple actual AAA. Here, you're going to choose to stay home. So you get the top-level talent. You get MLB-ready talent in this draft compared to 16-year-olds. The balance there would have been completely out of whack, and especially when we talk about trying to get this money into the hands of these young players, it's a big blow to have them, you know, it's a big blow to see all of those high slot values going to effectively major league players right out the gate when these guys aren't going to be able to sniff the money that these internet, these, uh, East Asian, yes, East Asian um, prospects are going to be able to get because they're going to be up within at least a year, if not straight to the majors, where they're going to be making MLB money. They're going to be making MLB minimum 
or whatever the agreed upon contract would be. So not only would the Japanese and Korean players not go for it, but it just works out so much better for everyone else. The next piece of news I wanted to touch on here is the fact that the Yankees may have finally had their big trade. Yes, you knew I had to talk about it. I was really quite sad that, you know, the way our recording schedule worked out, I haven't been able to give Brandon a properly hard time about it yet, but Tyler Wade is back with the New York Yankees. He got traded from the Los Angeles Angels to the Yankees just yesterday and will be reporting to AAA Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders in these coming days. Um, look, really solid infield glove, can play a little outfield too. And more importantly, this guy, bunt specialist, speed guy, you know, he's that role player. You know, I, I can certainly understand what the Yankees are seeing here, that they're wanting to keep him around and keep him in their organization. These are the types of guys that, you know, you get a second chance, you got to take it. Like, good on him for getting his bag and leaving, but if you can get him on a, at a fraction or you can get him back, if it's similar to what you would have paid and he was just looking for a bigger role, you go ahead and you do it. You capitalize on these opportunities. That's definitely the way to go if you're the Yankees. But the real not way to go is this series this week, which kind of, you know, we, I feel, underreported because it was in the middle of it. You know, I'm not going to kick kick them all this down. And ultimately, it means very little for the Yankees to have this little road bump here. But this was a rough, rough series for the Yankees against the Reds at home, of all things. You know, this is a Reds team, fifth in a pretty weak NL Central. Haven't done that much all year. They hold the record for longest amount of time unanimously in last in our power rankings. Be sure to check that out. Um, that episode will probably be up Monday, late Monday night this week rather than midday like it normally would be because of some travel restraints on my part. But this is a bad, bad team. And props to them. They put themselves in really good positions to win. Um, let's start with game one here where the Reds end up winning this four to three. The Yankees start out, however, with three runs in the first three innings. Since he's not really able to do much through the majority of this, Garrett Cole goes seven innings of shutout ball with four hits and 11 strikeouts. Man, this is starting to feel like, um, well, about this time last, about this time last summer, was when we switched over from doing daily recaps and basically telling the type of pe- type of people that are listening, this audience with, that we adore so much, all things that they already knew and trying to break down these games without giving actual opinion, without giving actual analysis and discussion. Very happy, very pleased with how things have gone so far. But Garrett Cole, of course, yeah, seven shutout innings, 11 strikeouts, the action keeps going with Michael King gives them a solid inning. Clay Holmes comes in, allows two hits and one walk. This will end up being four earned runs for him. 
He gets the loss. Wandy Peralta gets the blown save on one hit and one strikeout. This that well, that was a kick to the groin to say the least. You know, Clay Holmes, it's the first time he's really been hit up. Hits is his first loss of the season. His ERA there jumps by like 40 points almost, but that's really just more a sign of how good he is. You know, when you're in those that sub one land as a reliever, one bad outing is going to jump you pretty quick. But to be able to jump, have your jump be to 1.37 ERA is a really great place to be. And you should be proud if you're him still. You know, you still hold your head high. But moving ahead to Wednesday night, here's where things start to get frustrating for me. Um, since he takes a 3 nothing lead in the second, the Yankees come back. They move ahead in the third. And, you know, this is a battle all the way through, but it ends up with the Yankees tying in the eighth off of um, – Gibbo for the Reds, uh, Ian Gibbo. He allows one hit in the inning. Just, you know, doesn't, doesn't go well. One hit, one home run. That's all it takes. They end up losing this game in the 10th. And then, of course, last night, Reaver Sam Martin comes in, ends up getting the win for the Reds. They win seven to six going to extras again. The Yankees come back twice in this game, almost come back again in the 10th. And I don't know how to feel about this because I'm very entertained. I'm very intrigued by this Yankees team falling apart a little bit, you know, now, especially we'll get into a little bit, this first Red Sox Yankees game, um, at least the score early reaction type stuff after this, but This is now four straight losses for the Yankees and by far the lowest point of their season so far. I don't know how much to read into that because this is still a ridiculously good Yankees team. They're still going to win the division. They still should be one of the World Series favorites. This a slow stretch in July isn't going to change my mind about many things, but it's just a matter of pecking out the top of who it is. And really, you know, when you're talking about who the best team is, so much of it comes down to form. Once you get into that top four, you know, we've kind of argued back and forth, whether it's been a big three, whether it's been a big four, sometimes we've even put it into a big five conversation. Those groups always look very clearly cemented for us within month stretches. However, Within that group, I feel like there there's plenty of room to jump around. Even if there's like a three-game, four-game lead like the Yankees have had at times this year, that doesn't indicate that they're necessarily the best team. That doesn't indicate that they should be my World Series favorite right at that point in time. So, you know, this could change things there, but it's not the end of the world for them. This is really pump the brakes. What's more interesting to me and more frustrating is the Reds here. Like, how poorly did they handle? This is possibly the worst handled upset series I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you know, you absolutely blow, horribly, horrifically blow the middle game of this series between the Reds and the Yankees. 
to the point where it's like, you know, how do you even come back from this? How do you bounce back and get a good result out of game three? How do you take this series after that? They then go out and get a terrific performance from Luis Castillo and keep trying to find ways to throw that fantastic performance away. He goes uh, seven innings, one earned run, two hits and eight strikeouts. Ultimately, he stayed in an inning too long. You know, I think, you know, you're talking about he gives up the run in the sixth. All of a sudden, he really started to look in danger in that seventh inning. I wouldn't have stuck with him past that 90 pitch mark, but they did it. It worked out for them. Terrific. Still looks terrific, but it was an even better performance, I think, than that line shows. And they just continue to just try to toss it away. I mean, this is this bullpen in this series. They performed worse than the episode where Jim and Dwight take over the party planning committee in the office. Like that's the level of incompetence that was brought forth here. You know, it's not, I didn't think it was possible for a team this bad that's performing this poorly to pull off this type of upset, but props to them. Yankees have to figure it out though, as they drop, of course, this next one to the Red Sox five, four, this is five straight home loss, four straight home losses, at least for them, you know, or no, that'd be three straight, three straight, three losses in four games. I am, I'm a little tired here give me a break, but we're still vibing. Everyone is here to vibe with me. I'm here to vibe with you. That's just the way it works here. But, you know, the Yankees, they come back again, ninth inning after a blown save for Tanner Houck. He goes a second inning here and gets the win. But just, you know, terrific performances all around for the Red Sox. They came out hungry, wanting to win this one. And the Yankees clearly, you know, they were on their heels after everything that happened with the Reds. They came out with the wrong mentality, I think, here. It went from, all right, we just we just lost to the Reds, right? So our options are either get angry, prove we are this juggernaut that everyone thinks we are, prove that we are this ridiculously good team that everyone keeps saying we are. The Yankees took the opposite approach and went for option B, which is, all right, we have to stop the skid. We can't keep losing. This is embarrassing. And all of a sudden they let the pressure get to them. And that's how you get into a situation where Boston just wanted it more. I mean, right down to, you know, whether it's Rafael Devers home run here or an absolute shot, um, the double play that they end up taking where it was, I believe, uh, Bobby Dahlbeck to Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts goes flying across the bag, coming from the second base side to the shorts stop side, diving to make the throw. An absolutely gorgeous arc on that one to put it right into the glove of a now diving John Schreiber to make the out. Probably, honestly, one of the defensive plays of the year in my my book. I mean, I know I'm probably a little biased, but it's just, it was almost too good to be true. Ultimately, it's that's the way it goes, though, is they just wanted it more. But that will do it for me today here with you guys. 
Make sure to follow us on all our social media at MLB Daily Pod. Give us a follow. Give us a review. Give us a couple downloads if you missed the last couple episodes. It's okay if you don't have time to listen, but at least put them on there for your leisure, for your option. In the meantime, I'll see you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.